Welcome to this week's episode of the Women in Tech Perspective. Our guest this week is Kirsty Butcher, Head of Salesforce Strategy for LexisNexis Risk Solutions. Oh, you can imagine how many times I've had to record this intro. Um, this is a shorter episode, and we purposefully wanted to jam-pack it full of content and insight into how she stayed in the same company for over 20 years, which in today's world is pretty much unheard of. What's kept her there? Um, the different roles that she's had in the business, how she started in the business with a different vision to where she ended up, and how she's now flourishing in her tech career. She brought up two young boys as a single mother, and she talks about how she navigated various different obstacles and challenges, as you can probably imagine. And I think you'll really enjoy this episode. Enjoy. Kirsty, thank you for joining me on the pod this week. Uh, I really wanted to get into your story and your background and some of the insight you can share with our listeners, mainly because it's quite a rarity in today's world for someone to be in a business as long as you have done. So you're now mm -hmm. over 20 years at LexisNexis Risk Solutions. Um, and I, I guess I wanted to take it a little bit back to firstly understand, as I've done with all of my guests so far, is where the passion, if a passion, developed for technology at a younger age to then mm -hmm. end up in your head of Salesforce strategy role today, which obviously we know is um, quite technical and in the technical arena. So um, take me back a little bit. What was mm -hmm. uh, growing up? What did mum and dad do? And where was the uh, passion for technology found back then? Yeah, so I came from a family of four. Um, and I remember growing up, we always had a computer. We were fortunate enough to always have a computer and we had one of the first games consoles that came out. But I think it was evident in my first job as a shop assistant. I worked for a big department store and I ended up being the tool trainer for the whole organisation because it just interested me. I kind of wanted to know all the ins and outs of how it worked. So then I, even though I was just a Saturday girl, I was the tool trainer. When I started my first full-time job, it was a family-run business, and the MD took me under his wing and taught me the ins and outs of the computer system. Um, and I think it just, I wanted to know why, not just you have to do something, you have to input the order in this way or, or you know, put the notes into here. I wanted to know why, and I wanted to know if I did that, what benefit was it going to bring and how was that going to help the next stage of the, the process. So it always interested me. And then I moved into sales um, and did a couple of different sales roles. And that's when I started at Next Next Solutions. I moved into a sales role selling advertising. And as I'm sure my bosses will tell you, I wasn't the best salesperson in the world. I was good at the relationships with my customers um, because it was a weekly magazine. So you talked to me each week. But I also loved the systems um, and, what again, wanted to know all about them. And an opportunity came up um, not long after my first maternity leave to become a systems trainer. So I then started to train people on the systems. And I think because I had a fascination for the ins and outs as to how it all worked, we were able to then explain more as a trainer to people using it and it wasn't just like click here click there you need to fill this bit out you need to do this to do your jobs 
it was far more not really detailed because a lot of time you train salespeople and you want to kind of keep it at a level that's going to engage them but it also allowed me to to explain things far better because I understood more of the back end. So it sounds like you always had an inquisitive mind, right? Yeah. You weren't willing to just accept, do this, do that. It was the mm-hmm. why behind it, which yeah. has probably been a huge attribute for you throughout your career, I would have thought. But also from the technology piece, it, it's quite funny how you went back around to the systems training piece when mm-hmm. you were the till trainer in a retail store. Yeah. And it, it's obvious that maybe you had a natural eye for it or a or a keen learning for technology that you then became the delegated uh professional (laughs) for for that piece i've always had it with systems in recruitment right i'm not i'm certainly not technical and (laughs) i'm as technical as um my candidates and clients allow me to be based on what they tell me and how i'm just naturally want to find out about people hence sitting here on a podcast i guess um but I have always had teams where there has been one person in that team that just either naturally has more of an interest in the CRM that we're using or is a bit more adapt at design or, or or systems and tools. And it's always been a running joke in most recruitment businesses I've worked in, in that, you know, they are, you know, speak to, speak to Kirsty, for example, yeah. she, she yeah. knows it all. She'll, she'll tell you. And, mm-hmm. um, always referred to as it support or something like that it's like you know go go and see first line support Mm. she'll be able to help you um so it's just really interesting to hear that you kind of did a kind of full circle on that because it feels like you fell into it no matter what you're doing because you just have that passion whether you like to consider yourself technical or not you are absorbed by technology on a day-to-day basis so we've got an understanding of what your your first job was then Mm -hmm. um what was the expectation when joining the business that you've now been in for over 20 years? Was there an expectation of staying long term and getting your foot on the corporate ladder and working your way up, which was some of the advice I got, you know, when mm-hmm. I was growing up? Or was it, I just need to do a job and earn some money and pay the bills? How did, how did that develop? I think it was always because my father and grandfather worked for this company um although it was a very different company back then it was just it felt like a natural step for me I'd seen you know I'd been into the offices I'd you know seen all the stuff that my dad had done and it just felt like well this is a company that I want to work for um and did it feel like home a little bit yeah because you'd been yeah. around it yeah. with dad and granddad yeah absolutely and even though it's you know over the I, the 22 years I've been here, the company has changed considerably. So it was a publishing company. Originally, we had about 100 magazines. I think the company's got one magazine possibly left now. And so, you know, a completely different company. And when I joined and I was in sales, my I, I used to joke, so I wanted to be the youngest female publisher in the business because that's what the business was at the time. And But my career path changed. And my sometimes my priorities changed with having my children. Um, and the opportunities that got given to me, I realised actually my path was different. You know, the publishing route wasn't the right path for me. Um, at the time, obviously, it was the training route and then moving to technical space. It just felt more natural than me trying to force a role because at the time being a lot younger, you think, well, I want to be I want to be up there. I want to be at that top point. Um, 
And then over time, you kind of realize that you want to be really fulfilled in what you do. It's not just about climbing that career ladder. Um, Mm. Yes, you want progression. Yes, you want to be given opportunities, but it's still got to be at a level that you enjoy. And you mentioned earlier about, you know, the go-to person. And I've always liked being that go-to person. I like talking to people. And one of the reasons I like training so much was you've got to talk to meet everyone that kind of joined. Um, And even in my role now, I like the fact that it's, you know, I've got a lot of responsibility. I've got a team where, you know, we look after an awful lot of Salesforce users and, you know, the strategy and everything like that. But I also get to still talk to people. I get to talk to the users, the people on the ground doing the work. Um, And that to me is still really important because by talking to them, you get a really good understanding as to what the issues are, what the problems are, what they, what they like, what they don't like. And that helps shape how you want to take things, excuse me, forward. Um, So I think, you know, the expectations were, it's a good company to work for. If you work hard, you can achieve anything. Um, Mm -hmm. But also not to, you know, pigeonhole yourself into go, well, I've got to go this route. Because obviously you went in very different routes, didn't you? And and it went from advertising and sales to I want to be a publisher to then yeah. into technology training. and yeah. training and yeah. it all took these different directions and I think that again is such a big point for our audience and our listeners mm-hmm. in that you haven't got to have a path laid out for you and it's going to change and mm-hmm. you've been lucky enough and have clearly worked hard enough to do that in the same business and I think that's where LexisNexis Risk Solutions have done well in retaining you is because that if you got to a point where you wanted to look at other avenues and you weren't quite feeling fulfilled as you just mentioned a couple of moments Mm. earlier there are other opportunities in the business and actually if you're the right if you're a person with the right values and the right work ethic and we can see that you're you know destined to go on and, Mm. and achieve uh, more in future then actually let's open up this door for you and you know let's go and yeah. attack that and then it's down to you as to whether you you know go and tackle that mm-hmm. head on or not one of my other guests talks about <clears throat> she always asked for uh forgiveness rather than the permission than permission and she would always go and hammer on doors to try and open up new opportunities for her in the business rather than waiting for them to come to her um you mentioned there a lot about opportunity and how that has developed have they come from the business putting them in front of you have you had to really uh speak up and make yourself at the kind of top of the pile for considering new opportunities and did you ever notice that you were a woman going for different jobs opportunities came up opportunities where so i got the training role because when i'd had my own training on system the manager at the time well, the trainer at the time, who then became my manager, spotted that I was interested in it. And then she spoke to me about an opportunity for when I came back from maternity leave. And then when my team evolved and moved into tech, there was just a natural progression. I've been very fortunate to have many female. I've never had a male boss up until last year in this company. And being in technology for a long time, that's quite unusual. Um, and you know, working alongside some really strong women was amazing. And I don't think I ever felt disadvantaged for being a woman. When I moved out of technology, so although I look up Salesforce, I now sit in the business side rather than in the technical team. 
um, I moved out technical team, I think it was 2019, um, that opportunity um, arose because someone in the business approached me and said, you know, we've got this role, are you interested? I think straight away you kind of, I think females possibly do this a bit more, imposter syndrome. I was like, oh, I can't, I can't do that. I, I can't leave everything that I know and go somewhere that, although I know people and I know the business, it's just, it's scary. It's moving out of technology and everyone that I know. Um, and, you know, I had a lot of conversations with people. I talked to people and, you know, some advice I was given was, you know, kind of, you're never going to be a technologist. And it was meant in a very nice way. Um, but what you're good at is going and talking to people in the business, understanding what they need, telling them if they're wrong, <laughs> which I do quite frequently, but also going, actually, this is the best way of doing it. Let's look at this and then working with them. Um, and that was kind of a kind of a changing point in my mind go actually yeah I am gonna do this yes I'm moving out to technology but I'm still responsible for Salesforce across the various different areas of the business um and that means I can still influence how things are done what people are doing and how people um are using it which which was really good so you spoke there about the feedback and seeking feedback um from your team or other people in the mm. business as to when the imposter syndrome's creeping in it's about maybe a, a little a little push in the back mm. going you've got this you can do this and one of my other guests talks about the importance of feedback um to progress and develop but actually seeking it from people that you know have got your best interests at mm. heart because yeah. sometimes feedback can be used to put you down or dissuade you from something with an ulterior mm ulterior motive um, and it sounds like that was the kind of reassurance I guess you need that you can it, it's going to play to your strengths and you can, yeah. you can do this role yeah. um, when you're receiving that feedback which obviously mm -hmm. has the good intentions and is there to spur you on and hype you up I've felt in the past whenever I've had that that a, a bit of my team don't want to keep me or or don't want me to stay in this function mm. and they're trying to push me elsewhere and and the the kind of negative thoughts start creeping in did you have any of those mm. when you went through it yeah when I moved out of technology into the business there was part of me think well why why don't they want to keep me mm. why why are they not counter offering why are they not saying no we don't want to lose you from this area but I think it was because they knew me and they knew what maybe not knew what was right for me, but knew it was a really good move for me. Um, With the best you know, I, intentions at heart, isn't it, right? Yeah. It's, and it, yeah, it reminds me of the the old saying of, if you love them, you'll let them go sort of thing, yeah, right? Yeah. I know I know that's a that's probably a bit deep for a women in tech podcast, but <laughs> I, I get exactly what you're saying. And it took me a while to realise that the people that were saying these things were saying it because they felt that, the opportunity yeah. was greater or it was going to play to more of my strengths and whilst they would be gutted to lose me in the team and not have me you know with them mm. all day I'm sure <laughs> you know for all the great banter that I bring um but actually you know just thinking about what's best for me um yeah it's the same as I'm, being a manager right you know it's I had a graduate in my team who was brilliant um and I she came in as an associate Solution, solutions associate I can't remember the exact name but she was learning Salesforce so we, she had no understanding of Salesforce before we taught her Salesforce um you know 
the, the, back, the back end of it, how to configure, all of this, how to gather requirements. Um, and she was on our grad scheme. I think it was about six months after she graduated, she called me into a room and she said, oh, I've got something to tell you. And I said, oh, you're going, aren't you? And she said, yes, I've got a job at Salesforce. And I was, I couldn't have been prouder because she'd taken the passion that I'd kind of tried to instill in people saying, you know, Salesforce is great. Um, and this is all the things it can do. And she'd gone and got her this role at Salesforce, which was incredible. And much as I didn't want to lose her, I knew it was the right thing for her and her career mm. and her progression. Um, so you have to you have to encourage people. You have to, you know, your your role as a manager, especially, is to grow people and see them fly the nest and see them go and and do other things because that's what you should be doing. And I think that's what my you know my department and my managers did. You know, they they developed me. We you know we we grew in a role, and then an opportunity came up that was that was right for me. Um, and I think, you know, when I moved into that business unit, it was a much smaller part of the business that we're in now. There was mergers and different things happened. And, you know, my role over the last year and a half has grown from supporting about 500 users to supporting about 3,000 users. And the challenges and, you know, taking on a whole new sort of stack and processes. Um, and it's great. And if I hadn't have made that move way back when, I wouldn't be where where I am now. So I think sometimes you have to, take the leap of faith um, and do it, even if it is scary. Is there a way you mm. would reinforce that you haven't, you shouldn't have imposter syndrome? What advice would you give to a Kirsty back then with hindsight? Hindsight would be not to panic straight away. I remember the conversation very well. And I remember being told, you know, it's based in London. And straight away, I was like, I can't go to London. I'm a single parent. I can't make that work. I'm this, I'm that, you know, all of that type of thing. And, and that was my initial reaction. And I remember kind of the conversation was stop. And this is what I got told. Stop thinking about the reasons why you might not be able to do it. If you're interested, we do what we need to do to make it work. And that that was a really good piece of advice. Um, and I think, you know, we women potentially have a tendency to panic straight away and kind of think of all the reasons why they shouldn't do something or they won't be able to do something. And I think my advice would be just listen to what's being offered and take it away and think about it. Yeah. Don't necessarily give your gut reaction to something straight away. Typically, men will be phrased a opportunity. Mm-hmm. And they'll think, they'll link all of the good things and the positive reasons why they are right for that opportunity or why it's, why it's going to be right for them. Mm. On the flip side of that, women will start looking at all of the things that they're lacking or... um their perspective is that they would need to really improve to be able to get that and they're not going to get it. And the opportunity there isn't sat in front of them, which is why we spend so much time uh, amending and adjusting job specifications, right. For roles advertised because Mm -hmm. women will typically see the whole job spec. And if they don't tick 95% of all of the requirements on that job spec, then they won't apply. Whereas men will tick 30% of the, yeah. Uh, requirements on the job spec and they'll apply and go, well, mm. we'll wing it sort of thing. You know, we'll get through it. So um, I, I love that you have that perspective years mm. later to be able to go, right, you know, we can do this. We've got, how did you juggle mum life and work life? When the boys were about five and 18 months, I became a single parent um, and trying to juggle both, trying to juggle two small children 
trying to get them out the door to school every day. And this is the time when everyone was in the office five days a week. Uh, my journey was about 40 minutes drive. And I just remember so many times the, the stress of, you know, when one of the boys was playing up and, and refusing to go to school, refusing to get ready, knowing that I was running a training course or knowing that, you know, I had to be in the office for a certain time. Like, it, it's so stressful. But I think a lot of that was me because of what the standards that I set you know I set really high expectations for myself it, it was really tough because I had a brilliant support network around me my family I had um two amazing different childminders one the boys was with for 10 years um and they were my support you know they I couldn't have done this without them um and my mom especially you know helped me out with boys so often I'm very fortunate to live around and near all my family um but you never feel like you're doing anything really well. You know, you're, you're knackered when you get to work because the kids have had you up half the night. I remember running a training course and I've been up since half four in the morning. And that was one time I had to wing it because I just, my brain just wasn't working because I was so tired. But then you get home from work and you're so tired, you're then really grumpy and then you snap at the kids and it, and it can make for quite an unhappy um, environment. And because of the standards that I set myself, you want to, I want to do everything really well and to the best of my ability. And I was so fortunate with the bosses and the colleagues that I had. A number of them had small children, you know, different circumstances. Um, but the support was was amazing. Um, you know, when I'd find them up in tears because one child was refusing to go into school and I'm like, I can't get into work yet. I got such good support that it made me know that I could I could get through those years and I could get through that. Um, I think that that's at separation. I could never have been a stay-at-home mum. It's just not me. I love my boys obviously more than more than anything, but it wouldn't have been good for any of us to be the three of us kind of at home. Um, and I did an article actually for the company a while back and it talked about sort of different types of families and I did it from a single mum perspective. And it's a saying that I've kind of quoted quite a lot and said, so, you know, I will always be a mum wherever I am. But when I'm at work, I'm also Kirsty. And that was really important to me to have that identity and not just be Jack and Sam's mum. You know, knowing that I could come into work and, you know, was probably one person in particular she would just look at me and go let's go and grab a couple or let's you know let's go and take because you just know that you needed to kind of scream and rant and and having that support at work was was just incredible um and I think you know as the boys have got older obviously they've really understood why I worked um you know I used to get well, why can't you pick us up from school mum you know why do we have to go here even though they were incredibly happy at the childbinders it was like why can't you do this mum why why is it you but it's also the worry of getting that phone call in the middle of the day to say one of the kids is sick, knowing that you're the one that's got got to go. Um, yeah. But the boys, have, I think, have really understood, especially with my eldest who's now working, you know, really understood why I worked and yeah. why I've done what I've done um, because they've seen the benefits of it. They've seen that hard work gets you opportunities and, and, and does also make you happy. One of my other guests, uh, Ruth, she actually put a time scale on it that, summed it up really well for me year one keeping the baby alive year two trying to get back into my role and demonstrate that I'm still good at what I 
think I'm good at and find Mm -hmm. my place within the business again. And she said for her, year three was where she found her identity again. It Mm -hmm. was, you know, how do I find Ruth again? Um, And I don't know, yours may not have had a similar timeline because obviously you're in, you were in a different situation, but um, it was just quite a good narrative for me to actually Mm -hmm. understand that, yeah, it sounds about right. And actually similar to what I know my wife experienced. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners today, Kirsty? I've absolutely loved this episode. I think my thing is don't be afraid to speak out. Um, Don't be afraid to try and get your point across. There's right and wrong ways of doing it. And I will say, you know, quite openly, I haven't always got it right. Um, And I think where I'm very passionate about certain, you know, areas and things, your frustrations come across and, you know, you can be deemed a bit negative, but keep going, keep going, keep promoting yourself, keep pushing yourself forward for those opportunities. 